0: morning, this morning's reading, as you probably guessed, is coming from Ruth, Ruth 1, and if you've got the church Bible, uh, I don't think there's many of them around, because they've moved moved out, but it's page 267. And uh, just to add something else, this reading, or the, this book, has got some very special meanings for Anne and myself. We have two daughters. You can perhaps guess from that what their names are. Ruth and Naomi. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elmilek, his wife's name, Naomi, and the name of the two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephraites, Ephraites, sorry, from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. One named Orpah, and the other Ruth. After they lived there for, after they had lived there for about ten years. But Mahion and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With the two daughters-in-law, she left the place where they had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your, to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they went away, and they wept at Elle, sorry, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons that could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her God. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't argue, don't argue with me, no, don't urge me to leave, You, you hit. Or, or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be, be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, but it, but it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. The Lord has afflicted me, the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley house harvest was beginning. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Debbie. Faith to be a risk taker. That's the title. Uh, we're going to, uh, as you have now, now heard three times probably, uh, we're going to be looking at Ruth, um, this, this month. And, um, it may or may not be a very familiar story to you. If you have never read it before, please do take the time to read it through. So maybe when it gets to seven o'clock tonight, when you would have been here at one, grab a coffee or a tea, sit down and, uh, read it through in one go. It's good to, read it through it in one go it will be good for your soul and as you read it there'll be there are you'll find many lessons of eternal significance that runs through it and uh, and that's why we're going to spend these next few weeks and consider it together uh, both on sundays and in midweek groups and as debbie said one of the themes that runs through it is faithfulness Uh, Because if nothing else, Ruth's story is a story of faithfulness. And particularly when you look into it and and, and consider what's going on, there's a beautifully woven tapestry uh, going through this story. And uh, it's a tale of God's faithfulness to us. And there's lots of other themes as well uh, going on in this short but very beautifully written story. Uh, It's a story of love uh there's uh it's a sort of a, there's themes of character and integrity uh there are themes of prosperity and blessing uh there's the theme of protection and grace and uh also a very very important theme of redemption but today we're going to think about faithfulness particularly and we'll see how god's love and faithfulness is present in ruth's life even when it looks the opposite Even when it looks like God couldn't be further away, God is there, he's present, he is with her. And in this first chapter of Ruth, um, there's illustrated very effectively something I like to call the Velcro effect. Now you know what Velcro is, don't you? But I should have brought some Velcro with me uh, to show you. But um, let me just tell you how it was invented. Just uh, something new for you today perhaps. Uh, in 1948, there was a Swiss mountaineer whose name was George de Mistral. And he was uh, hiking through some woods in, in Switzerland and he uh, was walking along and he had these little burrs sticking to his clothes. You know, there's little sort of sticky, I don't know, um, sort of whatever they are, plants that, that, that come off. Um, and, and it was sticking to him all over the place. And he, being an inventor, he thought, oh, I know, I could do something with this Very clever plant, this seed that's sticking to me. I can maybe invent something that's even more, can compete with a zipper. And so he was inspired by the sticking properties of these birds, the natural sticking properties. And so if you look at a, a Velcro strip, you'll notice it's made up of two parts. And you've got, on one side you've got the hooks, and on the other side you've got the hoops. And so when you stick those two together, the the, the hooks go into the hoops and they, they are fastened together. And so that's where the Velcro came from. And this Velcro effect really is, I think, describes God's faithfulness to us. Uh, and maybe, you know, we're not as faithful as God, are we? But, you know, how we can be faithful to him, how we can stick with him and how he stays with us. And we're learning in chapter 1 particularly about God's covenant faithfulness. God's covenant faithfulness is, is, is the way that God sticks with us through sick and thin. And it's obviously a theme that runs right through the Bible and runs right through to present day. God's faithfulness, his covenant faithfulness to us. Now the backdrop to this story is that it's written in the times of the judges so verse one chapter one verse one it tells you in the days when the judges ruled Uh, you may be an expert on the judges there's some very famous ones Gideon is uh, amongst them Uh, but basically it was a very dark time for the land of Judah Uh, it was a time of apostasy it was a time of moral disintegration it was a time of, of oppression and really difficult times for the people of God going on in the background to this story. And, um, you know, we're living through dark times now, now aren't we? And so there's, there's ways in which we can, again, uh, look at this story and see how God is faithful to us and how we can be faithful to him in the difficult times of life. And in chapter 1, Ruth the risk taker clings on, like Velcro, clings on to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She says, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. And so there's three things I want to draw out from this chapter about faith. Three observations about faith. Firstly, I want to say that faith is a choice. Secondly, that faith is a commitment. And thirdly, faith means putting our trust in a faithful God. So firstly, faith is a choice. Now, I know the church Bibles have been taken away, and that's fair enough. If you've got a Bible in front of you, it's in verse 7. It's it's just drawing out uh, something from verse 7. With her two daughters-in-law, she left That's Naomi left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. So Ruth... Naomi's daughter in law makes a decision. She chooses to go with Naomi to a land that she doesn't know. She is a Moabitus. And and it's this is not an easy decision to make, because Moab, you see, is not a friend of Judah. Uh, if you are trying to picture where Moab is, if you can picture the, the, the Dead Sea, and then if you if you are looking at the Dead Sea like that, go to the right, or go to the east. So the Moab region is to the east of the Dead Sea. It's just not far from Judah at all, but it's uh, that's just sort of next-door neighbors to the, Judah, uh, the tribe of Judah. Now, the Moabites do not get on with the tribe of Judah. They are really not friends. Uh, and, and so basically, Ruth is going to a land where she is not going to be welcome because she's a Moabitess. So she's got it stacked against her already. Nevertheless, Ruth sees something in Naomi that draws her to stay with her mother-in-law. Is, is, is something going on in Naomi's life? Something going on in her? The way that she behaves—that is sort of drawing Ruth to, to follow where Naomi goes. And 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 Ruth, being a Moabite, is is going to follow the Moabite gods, pagan. And so she's, at this point, she's, if you like, a a, a pagan. But she's seen something in Naomi and her faith to to the Hebrew God, to the creator God, to the true God that's drawing her to follow her. Now, we don't really know what that is. Because we don't, you know, the storyteller doesn't tell us exactly what is going on in their relationship. We we don't have the detail of how they relate to each other. But something is going on in this way that Naomi behaves that is, is drawing Ruth along. And, and Naomi really has to have a gritty faith. She's got to have a faith that is, is going to persevere because, well, her husband's died. Her two sons have died. And so everything that really gives her any protection has gone. She has left a widow and her two daughters-in-law are left without their husbands. So everything that she has given her comfort, security has gone. And yet something in her is saying, I want to still follow my God. I'm going to, I'm going to stay faithful to the true God. And Ruth sees that somehow and, and says to herself, I'm going to go with that. And so you see, Naomi, we, again, it doesn't say this, but we're kind of reading between the lines. Naomi, you see, is just sort of clinging on to her faith. Everything is gone. And yet she still wants to be faithful to God. She's clinging on just about. And, and, you know, actually, I think that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with a clinging on sort of faith because actually that's what God wants us to do, is just to cling on. It might all be going wrong, but cling on to me, says God. I'm with you even in the clinging on stage and state. Ruth sees that. Faith is a choice. When someone becomes a Christian, there's an act of the, the will. There's a choice. And if you're a Christian here today, most of us are, There's, there was that point in your life when you said, I want to follow Jesus, I choose to follow him, I'm going to put him first in my life. And you may have you know, investigated who he is and read the Bible or read other books, and, and there was a decision made about following Jesus. And that decision is an everyday decision. Every day we decide, yes, I'm going to follow him, I'm going to believe in him, I'm going to trust him. It's, a, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. Now, we say to ourselves, don't we, each day, um, I don't feel like getting up. You know, it's dark outside, it's cold outside. You know, I don't feel like getting up, but you make a decision. I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to get up. Or I, I don't feel like going to the shops. I don't feel like going to the shop. But you know you're running out of food, or you maybe have got people coming around for, for, for food, I've got, I make a decision. I'm going to go to the shops. Uh, I don't feel like moving the chairs at the end of the service, but you decide, <laughs> hopefully John, wherever John is. Um, I, yeah, he is. I'm going to do it. I'm going to de- decide to do that. So it could be anything. We choose to act regardless of how we feel. And Jesus gives people that choice, doesn't he? He doesn't ever say, you must follow me. He says, if you will follow me. He says, if. He gives people a choice. It's not demanded. And I wonder whether there's a the time in your life when you chose to follow God and you took that risk. You, you took a risk of faith. Now, uh, as a, a bit of a litany of, of ways I've decided to follow Jesus uh, you know, take it or leave it. But these, these are ways I've, just, I've decided to do, to do that. I decided to follow Jesus when I was 17. Uh, I did. I, I made that choice. I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. When I was uh, 20, I was on a, a university. I decided, or was asked to, to leave the Christian Union. I said yes. Uh, when I was 25, I decided to marry this lovely lady down here, Debbie. And, and for those of you who are married, and you'll know that marriage is a commitment, isn't it? It's, it you know, It's a decision. Uh, when I was 29, I um, uh, said yes to uh, training for ordination. Uh, when I was 33, I, I said yes to being a curate in, in a town in, uh, in the Midlands. Uh, when I was 35, I said yes, I'll take up a post in Australia. When I was 39, I decided very di- a difficult decision to make, but we said yes to coming back to the UK. When I was 44, I said yes to being offered the post of Vicar of Basin Hill. You know, but it's, 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 it goes on but there's a decision made isn 't there now that 's my life, but your life you know you, you when you look back, there are decisions made as to saying yes to god and, and 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 sort of working it out based on what was going on around and about you and in your life and you know those things i I've painted as you know it's a fairly kind of you know it's, no, it's not a diff, those aren't, they weren 't difficult decisions most of them weren't some of them were but Sometimes life isn't easy, is it? I don't need to tell many of us that. Life isn't easy all the time. Far from it. But when you exercise that choice to, to show faith in God, that's the moment, I think, when God has that opportunity to move in your life. Because if you don't make those faith choices, God doesn't have those opportunities, to room, to, that room to move in our lives. And and of course, there are difficult faith choices to make, aren't there? There's there's those those times when, you know, like the rug is pulled underneath your feet and and maybe the loved one that you have loved for so long is taken away from you. Or there's ill health around and about. It may even be in your own life or those you you love. And it's it's a tough choice to say yes to God and keep on going with God in those times. So what are the faith choices that you're making it this start of this new year, 2019. It might be all many manner of things. It might be a new friendship. It might be a new job. It might be a new start in all sorts of ways. But Naomi, you see, is making this choice when all else seems lost. She's got a difficult decision to make and a very difficult time to make it. Her dreams, if you like, have been shattered. And so let me encourage you, I'm encouraging myself, to be a risk taker just like Ruth, just like Naomi. Despite all the uncertainties, all those questions about why they set out on the road back to Judah. Faith's a choice. It's also a commitment. Verses 16 and 17 tell us about that. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. She's made that choice. She's also now making a commitment. And it's an amazing commitment she's making. She's making. As I said to you, the Moabites don't get on with the the tribe of Judah. It's a new God, it's a new lifestyle, it's a new people. She's going to be a foreigner, she's surrendering her family, and yet she has said yes to going with Naomi to that land. She's running the risk of being rejected and misunderstood. Our faith, the Christian faith, is about taking God at his word. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this about faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Uh, I, I love the Indiana, Indiana Jones films. Anybody else a, a fan of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all that? And, and in, um, in that film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones is, you know, he's always running away from someone because that's who he is. And he's, he's running away from these horrible people. And he gets into this valley and uh, he gets to this place where there's a chasm between where he is and where he needs to get to because he's got the baddies who are chasing him and you're about to, you know, do him in. And so he's got to get away. But the only way he can get away from it is across this valley, this chasm. And, and you can sort of see the, the cogs going in his mind. And he says, oh, the only way I can get away is to go that way. So he steps out onto what looks like emptiness. And, you know, it's Hollywood, isn't it? But all of a sudden there's this solid rock that he steps onto and he's able to walk across and he gets away from the baddies and he's safe. Now that's a, that's a kind of fairly trivial example, but this is really important. The Peter stepping out of the boat example is, is very, very profound, isn't it? Because there's that story in the Gospels of, of, of Peter's in the boat and, and Jesus appears to him out of the darkness and Jesus Peter says, I want to come to you, Jesus. I want to be with you where you are on the, on the water. And, and Jesus says, come out to me. Come and join me. And Peter has that amazing experience of stepping onto water. Onto real water. And that's faith, isn't it? It's getting out of the boat. You ever read that John Altbow book? It's an amazing book. Do read it. Faith is getting out of the boat and it's putting your trust in Jesus to to say I'm going to come to Jesus where you are and I'm going to walk to you and be with you because actually faith isn't about being in the boat because that's easy, isn't it? You know, He could have stayed there all night he would have been fine. Faith is actually putting your trust in the one who says I will hold you up even on the water. I will hold you. I will take care of you. Because Jesus isn't in the boat, he's, in the, he's on the water. And I think that this year, and I think God is on lookout for those who will get out of the boat. Who will step onto that unknown, that uncertain territory and say, yes, I will hold your hand, Jesus, and I trust you enough to keep on holding your hands. And I've seen it many times in my life that that's the way that God develops faith develops faith in me and develops faith in those who i've seen is by stepping out onto that unknown and saying i trust you jesus that you will take hold of me as i do that and i don't i you know i say this i say it guardedly but there may be people among you know maybe people here sort of been staying in the boat for years and say, so I'm going to stay in this boat because it's safe, I know it, and I, I like it here, and I know what it's about. But I, maybe God is saying to you, step out of the boat, onto the water. And that's where God will meet you in a new way. This is a, an acrostic about faith. I should have written it on, not written on the wall, uh, being been told off, but you know, having it on a, on a slide. Uh, faith. Forsaking all, I trust him forsaking all, I trust him. That's faith. Now we can't see Jesus, can we? And I I say this to people who talk to me about God, and I say, yeah, we we can't see Jesus. We can't see God, but he's with us. He is there. And you can be sure that there's maybe disappointment after disappointment after disappointment you've had in your life, and you can be sure, and I can reassure you that God is with you in that he's not giving up on you he's with you he says come to me and I will come to you even when now Peter obviously he got out of the boat didn't he and he started walking on the water and then all of a sudden he thinks hang on I'm on the water here and he starts to sink and Jesus reaches down and pulls him up and he's and he's safe Let me give you an example of what that that might mean in another way of of, of taking hold of Jesus and trusting him. There's a man called John G. Patton. And he and his family lived on an island called Tanna in the New Hebrides in the Pacific. And this is 1858. And when this man called John Patton, he was translating the Gospel of John into their language, that native language. And he was was struggling with how to translate to believe in for for the locals, for the natives. Now, these people were cannibals. So he's in a dangerous place. He's he's amongst cannibals. And so, not surprisingly, trust is rare. Because they're cannibals. And and their language has got no word for faith and no word for trust. So as John Patton was working at his desk in the New Hebrides in 1858, he asked a a local, he asked uh, 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 someone else to describe to him what he was doing. And he had this answer Uh, This this other one, this native, answered, he said, you're sitting at your desk. And then what he did is he lifted both his legs and he he sort of leant back in his chair and then he asked the same question, what am I doing? And in reply, the local said, you're leaning your whole weight upon your chair. And that is the expression that John Patton used in his translation of of John's Gospel for John 3.16. And so his translation of John 3:16 goes like this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever leans his whole weight upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a lovely translation, isn't it? Faith is it's more than just the up here the intellectual. It's it's actually whole weight putting our whole trust in Jesus. Our whole life into the hands of Jesus. So it's a choice, it's a commitment. Thirdly and finally, it's about putting our trust in a God who is faithful. Ruth makes that choice. She makes that commitment to go back or to go to to Bethlehem. Wow, there's resonances there already, aren't there? She goes with her mother in law to Bethlehem. She's taking a risk, she's making a choice and she goes with Naomi. She's putting her trust in a faithful God. Now, Look at the very last verse of this chapter. Or I'll tell you it because you may not have it in front of you. Verse 22 says this, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. It's a very interesting way to finish a chapter, isn't it? Now, most of chapter 1 is a, is a, is a picture of hopelessness. It's a picture of Uh, you know people have died there's a famine Uh, Naomi is 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 deeply worried and mourning and and wondering what's going on Uh, and Ruth has lost her husband Naomi says in verse 21 I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty she says call me Mara because the Almighty has made me made, made my life very bitter and yet what does the writer say at the end of the chapter it says they arrived in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. And so the writer who's constructed the story is saying that there's a, this, this hope, there's a seed of hope. The barley harvest is beginning, there's life. And that sets the scene for chapter two, as we'll see next week as, as, as Ruth meets Boaz. And, and the writer is saying that there's this, yes, there is emptiness, yes, there is death, and yet there is life because the harvest is beginning. There's hope. I'm going to finish with one last example. Uh, A man called Adoniram Judson, he was one of America's first missionaries, and he spent 35 years away from America. He went to Burma as a missionary about 150 years ago. A living example of someone who trusted Jesus with his whole weight, if you like and served Jesus uh, a long way from home. And he fell in love with the daughter of a wealthy businessman. And uh, this lady's name was Nancy Hasseltine. And so he sought, uh, uh, Adoniram Judson sought her father's permission to marry her. And he said to Mr. Hasseltine, you've got to be prepared for your daughter to never see you again. If she says yes, and wants to marry me, then you've got to be prepared that she may never see you again. And Mr. Hasseltine appreciated that. He said, thank you for saying that so candidly. But he said, actually, the decision isn't mine, it's my daughter's. And Nancy Hasseltine said this. This is her response to Adoniram Judson's question. I have made my decision to walk away from all the comforts of family and friends to go to a land I have never been and where, from where I may never return. To die there alone and maybe lose all. I have made my decision. As God is my witness, I will not decline the offer and privilege to give my life to rescue the perishing. As it turned out, that's what happened. She never saw her father again. She died on the mission field in Burma. As a young wife, as a young mother, but with no regrets. She risked all for the kingdom of God. And because of her trust in Jesus, many thousands of Burmese became Christians. Now, God may not call you to Burma. He may not call you away from where you are. But He calls us to where we are. He calls you to your mission field. And your mission field is where you are, it's your home. It's your workplace, it's the club you belong to, it's, it's that front line again, isn't it? It's, that is your mission field. Where uh-huh. you are is the mission field, where God has placed you, where he wants you to be the agent of the kingdom of God for him right there. To be faithful to God where he wants you to be. So faith is a choice. Faith is a commitment and faith is putting our trust in the faithful God. And so let me finish with this question. Are you willing to make that commitment, the same commitment of Ruth, and say, The Lord God of heaven and earth will be my God? I will never leave or forsake the Lord. Let's pray.